Blog Talk Radio. Something goes down, we got to end the episode so we can go cover it on the site. Myson, it's been a it's been an active period for the Los Angeles it's Rams. A, it's been an active one week. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen in my entire life a team be have this much activity going on in a one week span. We're still it's a week away, or I guess barely less than a week away from free agency, man. Yeah, we haven't even gotten to free this agency time, yet. This time next week, money will be dropped. Um, yeah. where to it's start? I know you got combine. You got the combine up here first. I feel like we got to deal let's, with. Let's knock. Let's knock out the combine real quick. Okay. We got so much stuff to cover. So we'll knock out the combine real quick. That was intentional. What to say? What to combine. say of the combine? <laughs> I don't know. You know the interesting. The interesting thing about the combine is obviously the big story. The person I, I said for the past two weeks I was looking forward to the most, Shaquem Griffin. I. I was looking forward to what he was going to do. I was looking forward to his interviews. I mean, he just didn't disappoint at all. I was, I was, I was smiling watching his workout. It was impressive, and watching his interviews. And honestly, I think he, I think he is the perfect fit for what the Rams need. You know, that, that edge rusher, just nonstop sure. motor, <laughs> nonstop motor. It's uh, he is uh, he's an impressive, impressive specimen. I'm, I'm definitely excited about him. But I would say this of the in the combine for the Rams. Um, I would say that they are fortunate enough for the position of need the most being edge rusher. Uh, those That's the position that just shined at the combine. They absolutely looked amazing from Shaquem Griffin to obviously Bradley Chubb, who the Rams have no chance of getting. <laughs> but uh, you also look at Harold Landry and like these guys, they just, they absolutely, Tremaine Edmonds, who can play inside and rush. <laughs> you know, they, they looked amazing. It was it was absolutely a good combine. If you were an edge rusher or a defensive end, it was it was it was an impressive sighting. What do you like about the combine? The combine's tough because there's two combines. There's the combine that we see as fans, and there's the combine that actually happens, right? And so right. the the problem is a lot of times when when we're talking about as fans as uh, observers, the combine. What you see from the combine, almost none of that matters. Like what mattered most was just. You know, the reason Shaq Griffin, the the interviews, but like when Griffin puts up 25 reps or however many reps he put on with that attachment, you know, in in a prosthesis to be able to work out on the bench press, that's about as good as the combine can do, right? Is create a storyline, create a narrative for certain prospects coming out, the narrative of Orlando Brown dropping. That's the kind of thing that the public combine is best suited to provide. And, you know, 40 times, Roger Goodell, Rich Eisen running the 40. That's the real value of the combine. The other combine, the combine that we don't see, is way more important 
than the public combine, the 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 medical evaluations, the yeah. the private interviews where teams get to talk to guys and ask really inappropriate and sometimes illegal questions, and, and, and have staring <laughs> contests and all these weird things that they do to try to figure out their mentality. Are they going to be a Greg Robinson? Or are they going to be somebody that's going to come out and scrap every day for the next 10 years? Because when you're investing in some of these guys, you're really investing your own career in them for a lot of teams that aren't set up as well as the Rams are. And then just when you throw everybody in the mixing bowl, when you throw all these teams and everybody's at the JW Marriott, everybody's going to the steakhouses downtown. I was there two years ago. You go there. We were out one night, and there was Chip Kelly and Jed York at the next table. When you throw all these teams together, they're going to be talking about who they're interested in, where they're at with free agency coming up, where they're at in terms of their draft boards, which guys they like. That's, that's why if you're less need, you can move down and still get some guys because you know, hey, these teams aren't as high on this prospect as we are, and we know they're going to be there. But maybe I know somebody from Pittsburgh is really interested in prospect X and they want to come up. That's the real value of the combine. So it's, it's interesting overall, but it's one of those things where you don't get a great sense of it from the outside. Absolutely, and I agree with that. It is, it's, it's so much more that goes on, and I think that's what, uh, that's why it's so much excitement around it. But then, of course, you also yeah. have those storylines where it's the, you know, the the asking the player if he likes the man, you know, the thing Darius guys is who they ask. It's it's a lot of crazy stuff that always comes out of the combine every single year. It is inevitable, but somehow it it, it stays exciting even through all that even through all that turmoil no, controversy it's always it's always exciting you know and and like you mentioned the rich Eisen, the, the even this year Roger Goodell went running through the office you know so it, it's always some type of stories that come out of it I would say the combine is probably one of the more successful offseason events in all of sports. sure regardless of what oh no doubt it, it it draws a crowd for it to be so quiet. <laughs> you know, they whisper while they're going live. You get Rich Eisen, them, they're whispering during the 40s. They don't want to be too loud. You know, for it to be such a quiet event, they really, really reel in the numbers. <laughs> it is, it's impressive. It is actually, it's absolutely impressive. Um, and quick, that's it. The other thing I think is people don't realize how new it is. It's a relatively new event, yeah. right? It, so, it, it, it's only been about 10 or 15 years that it's been published on TV. Like exactly. It, yeah. it was a, it was, it, and it wasn't even an NFL-wide event. I don't know if everybody knows the history. It used to be put on – it's still put on by the scouting organization, but it used to just be between the teams that wanted to participate in the scouting-led uh, event, and not every team wanted to. And so it's developed. I think the question isn't – where is it at? But where's it going? And we've—I saw, you know—I'm sure people saw different reports about the idea that it might not be in Indianapolis moving forward. You've already seen yeah. some changes to some of the things that I think it's all great. I think they need to remain fluid and they should remain open to making more out of it because it's turning into the—you've the, got the NFL draft, you've got free agency, but the combine is this evaluation period where so many people who have no idea who these guys. 95% of fans didn't watch UCF football. They have no idea who Shaq Griffin is. They had no idea of his story. They had never seen Josh Allen throw a football. They had never, right. you know, they had never looked at these offensive line prospects. And it, it's the first real opportunity. I know that there's hardcore fans that watch a senior bowl and, and people that watch as much college football as I do. That's just not the majority of fans. The majority of fans don't know who these dudes are. And it's not until you get to this point and put it on TV and invite the kind of scrutiny that the combine does 
that they get to, to watch them. It's turning into a really, really, really special event. It really is. And when you see things like uh, Dante Jackson, who was another guy I know I've mentioned that yeah. I was looking forward to seeing, the, just the, the cornerback from LSU, just a really athletic kid, you know, he weighed in so much smaller. You know, when you see things like that, he, but he ended up pulling up on his 40 because of a, a, yeah. a, a uh, cramp in his calf, but he still runs a 4-3-2. Then you have a Baker Mayfield. He weighs in much bigger than I think anyone expected. They think they checked him in at six one two sixteen. Who the hell saw that coming? I was sure. Height does, he doesn't matter, my son. Height doesn't matter. You you come oh, on now. You you, were, you, 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 you know you know how I feel. It definitely <laughs> don't matter. But I definitely didn't think he was six <laughs> one. You know, so you, you you have all these little smaller stories that kind of pop up out of nowhere that you don't really expect. Um, the surprises, as Mike Mayock put it, it's only a story when a, a guy you expect to f- run fast runs slow and a guy that you don't expect to run fast runs fast. <laughs> you know, that's when the stories really come. You know, so it, when you have those other stories that's uh, kind of surprising, I think that's when it's when it's really interesting. You look at Lamar Jackson. He he chose not to show off his athletic ability because everyone knew that he'd blow that away. It's like, no, I'm going to focus on passing, and all he did was yep. pass. You know, and the quarterbacks, I mean, they, they tore it up on, on the field. When they got to sure. throwing the routes, they all the quarterbacks lit up the competition for the top quarterback. It's hot. I still think it's Josh Rosen by a wide margin. Now Baker Mayfield yeah. is the guy that I like the most, but Josh Rosen sure. is the best quarterback in this draft by far. It's not even debatable. But you know they lit it up all of them. Everything, even the even the guys who who are being looked at as fifth round picks. You know, sure. to me this was one of the more well balanced dra- uh, combines because of the fact that there's no superstars. <laughs> so it's it's just kind of an open right. playing field. The, the only real superstar was Saquon Barkley, and he killed the obviously he killed the whole process. The the thing about the combine in terms of the on field workouts, you can't really help yourself. If any, if you if you run a nice forty, it's because you're fast. And if you're fast, the tape's going to show you're fast. That's not going to be a surprise. What you well, do, sometimes. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes that, you have guys like a Justin Jackson who shocked everyone running a four four nine. And that, yeah, but the problem when you run fast in the forty is that you're not football fast. You're track. You're yeah. coming out of a. You're coming out of a fake stance, running forty yards in a straight line without having to worry about anybody. That's not football. Yeah. And and it's great. It, it still tells you something about a guy, but it doesn't tell you what, how he's going to be able to change direction. Think about like those Todd Gurley passing routes. When you're running forty yards and you're having to weave throughout defenses and deal with guys coming and how you bend into different curves, that's different than running a. 40-yard dash. What you can do, though, is hurt your stock. If you come in either with a bad attitude and you don't want to work and you don't want to go through the drill. Not, not, I'm not talking about Lamar Jackson. I'm talking about right. if, if, if somebody, if one of the coaches is yelling at you to get your hips down and you're just like, man, this is the combine. I'm not doing that. That's the kind of thing that hurts you because what, what, what teams will take away, fans don't take away from that, but what teams will take away is coachability. They'll look at that guy and say, okay, if he can't deal with some yeah, – I get it. The combine is not the pra- – Allen Iverson practice, I get it. That's not the most important practice of your career. But there are guys who treat every practice like it's the most important practice of their career, and every coach loves that guy because he's always going to be committed at every – even the most in, uh, useless moments to getting better. Shaq Griffin. The guy, Shaq Griffin. Those guys – 
those guys go hard every single opportunity, and they obviously get better at it. But even if you're a superior athlete, if you're not treating practice seriously, you may be Allen Iverson. You may be a once-in-a-generation talent, but that doesn't mean you're going to have once in the, every single coach coming out for you because if you're not willing to do that, it means you're just not willing to put in all the work to get better all the time. OTAs, man. There's not a lot of difference between OTAs and the combine practices. So if you're not willing to put it in in February, you might not be willing to put it in in June, and there's not a lot of coaches who want to deal with that. That is actually very true. Uh, coaches, they take they look at certain things, and uh, when you're in these interviews and you're at the combine, they look at certain things. They, they try to translate it to how this player going to fit uh, on yep. this team and how is he going to react when we are out there in – late July, early August, and it's 110 degrees, is he going to still give me everything he has? Like, is he just telling me what I, he thinks I want to hear? You know, so yeah. they try to get these guys comfortable. They try to get them very comfortable to put them back into their element and show their true colors and see who see what they're working with. And the research they do on these players with the digging, talking to the coaches, they talk to childhood coaches, childhood best friends. Yeah. You know, when they when, when they really, really want you, they, they do some certain digging and it's it's always interesting to see the things that come to light because sometimes you have guys where you have a Josh Rosen for an example, you know JJ Watt comes out and he says that you he says they should leave his character alone because they don't uh, he's not a bad kid and this is what he just said yesterday you know he he came out and said this yesterday that leave him alone but yet you're hearing everybody saying oh well if it wasn't for his attitude then he, you know he'd be the number one quarterback hands down but he is the he's the most talented and the most natural and most pro ready but we don't know if we're gonna like his attitude well why not because he said that players because he said players should get paid is that that's that's the worst thing he did in college <laughs> you yeah. know so it's it, it's always interesting to see how they come to these conclusions of uh who's who's what and who's worth what but speaking of coming to conclusions of who's what and who's worth what the franchise tag oh my you know, you know, there's one person on this call right now that was smiling ear to ear. <laughs> there's one that smiled, and there's one that was just like, "Oh, they messed up." <laughs> yeah. And that, that you want to see, you care to tell the people who's who? Well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say they messed up. I was disappointed. <laughs> and the, here's the reason I was disappointed. It's it, if if you're at the point where you can't sign either, I get why you would franchise tag Lamarcus Joyner. He was more valuable on the field. He's got more probably long-term system value, and he's more immediately valuable in this environment than Sammy Watkins. He's had a more productive career thus far. No doubt. But So here's the problem that I have, Mison. Why don't you sign his ass <laughs> to a long-term deal? Why, why are you ta- – and I, I look, I wrote it on the site. It takes two they, to tangle. Well, that, sure, but I don't, I don't look at that from the Rams' point of view saying LaMarcus doesn't want to tango. I think the Rams have a pretty clear history of qualified defensive backs that have earned a space in the market based on, A, their previous play, but then, B, gone on to validate some of that, that the Rams so, Joe, you are – know what that means? That means that the other person wasn't willing to tangle. It still takes two to tangle. The Rams may have they may lowball them, but it still takes the other person to say yes or no. So the, whether they're oh, lowballing them okay. or not, you know, sure. for you to say why don't they sure. sign him to a long term contract? It's not to say that they didn't sign him. So they're not trying sure. to. They're just not giving him what he wants. <laughs> Agreed. So and here's what. 
but you're right. That's exactly what it is. The Rams aren't willing to give these guys, A, what they want, but B, in the case of all these other guys, what they're able to earn from somebody else. And that's, that's what I'm, I'm struggling to understand. Now, here's the thing. It's not necessarily a bad thing. The Rams might say the reason why we won't pay competitive rates for defensive backs that they can earn elsewhere in the market is because – Maybe they feel that they have a competitive advantage in identifying personnel that fit their system. They've done a pretty damn good job of that, right? When you go back to 2012. The Rams have done a phenomenal job staffing the secondary, including the moves that they did today. There, there's not much – and if they came out and said that, I, w- I would be willing to buy it. If they said it's because – the, the way that I talk about the running back position or that everybody understands the value of the tight end, the punter, the kicker positions, the inside linebacker position, there's a reason why those positions don't earn a lot of money and don't get drafted early on in drafts. If they came out and said, we feel a similar way about defensive backs, that the market is valuing them way beyond their position value, that's an argument I could understand as well. But what's not, what, what is not an argument that is acceptable is to say, oh, the, the Rams definitely value defensive backs as much as the other teams in the NFL. They're just not willing to pay them what everybody else is. You know, here's the thing, though. When we're talking about paying the defensive backs, yes, the Rams have a history of jacking that up. <laughs> like, it's, it's no, it's not, it's, you can't deny that at all. It, the history is clear. As By design. However, By design. Yeah. Uh, however, however, like even with the value that they have for the defensive backs not being as high, let's take some things into consideration here. They just brought in Marcus Peters, who I don't care yeah. what you say, they they may not uh, value the defensive back dollar wise, but to bring in a Marcus Peters, a guy that's you know arguably top five at his position, sure. top five, to bring him in, you know for a fact you're going to have to dole out some real cash. There's no if, if you want to much keep, about yep. it. Yep. There's, it's not like a Sammy Watkins where you bring him in and everyone talks about, oh, his potential, he was number four pick. And no, this guy has produced. He's <laughs> you know, top, he's no, gonna, in no 2020, argument. he's going to get a top-of-the-market deal. There's no argument about it whatsoever. So when you bring that guy in, you know that is the fact. You know that's the case. So you have to you have to believe that and, uh, if it's indisputable, you know you, you go back to Janoris Jenkins. You know if you, everyone should remember me, I was pounding the table. You have to resign him. You have to resign him. Um, but when you go back to Janoris Jenkins, even I was the first one to admit that. He's, the, he's one of the best cornerbacks on the market right now. However, he is a risk taker, and that risk taker has been sure. the rounds in the butt several times. But that's not the case with Marcus Peters. Marcus Peters, is, he, he doesn't give up a lot of big plays. You know, so you, you can look at many different scenarios where the Rams let a guy get away. Um, a lot of people didn't like how unathletic Rodney McLeod was. He's a, he's a really smart, tough, physical safety but people didn't like the fact that he was slow. He didn't really have uh, loose hips. He wasn't the quickest safety. He just knew how to be in the right place at the right time, was a sure tackler, and was tough as nails to be so small because he's like 5'10", 5'11", 190 pounds. But he's tough as nails. You know, so people didn't like those things about him. So you can nitpick all these things with these other players. And I'm not excusing the Rams for screwing this up because if you remember, I was hot. Well. <laughs> I'm not excusing them, but what I'm saying is when you bring in a Marcus Peters, I don't think you. Uh, I don't think that there's a, any intent of lowballing when that time comes. You you know you can't. This is a different animal. This is a surefire. You know he's one of the best. And maybe and that's the thing. Maybe. A, but then no, they just brought in a key to leave. You know they just brought in a key to leave who's making yeah. double digit 
uh, figures. You know, he's making ten, eleven million dollars a year. So I think if you're worth it, they're going to pay it. But you have well, to be a surefire worth it. We'll see. You can't That's be the thing. Yeah, I mean, the the thing about Marcus Peters is they don't have to pay him for 2020. He is incredibly inexpensive. And in terms of his talent, there, there's not a better value. There's not a better value cornerback outside of him and Aaron Donald and a couple others. There's not many better value players. These guys are going in under $2 million a year. And obviously Aaron Donald is the fifth year. Aaron Donald might be getting paid in the next month. So, <laughs> And that's what we got to see. Now, here's the thing. Think about who they, who they have extended. They extended Robert Quinn, which at the time was a totally uh, understandable. Uh, at the time, that was a different office. It was a different front office. Well, uh, it was I 2011. Mean, it was a different front office. Not, no, not when he got extended. That was when he got <clears throat> he got oh, extended in. Yeah, yeah, it was when he got drafted. Exactly. The extension yeah. was what 2014, I think. Yeah. So, yeah, they extended him, and at the time, that was before the injuries and before the production dip. That extension was totally justified. The other Absolutely. ones is the other ones is where you struggle. Tavon Austin and Alec Ogletree, and it's it's not that obviously oh, man, Tavon don't Austin. Don't get me started on Ogletree. I know. <laughs> well, and that's the thing is. There's something going on with their contract renegotiation team, which is led by Kevin Demoff and Tony Pastors, and the personnel uh, assessment and scouting and uh, cross-team negotiations, which is led through Les Snead, the general manager, that's just not in sync. Um, and and I'll, I'll segue to the Alec Ogletree deal because I think that's a good explanation. The thing is, uh, what was the phrase you just used to talk about the defensive back? I, I don't think it's necessary that it's screwed up, I think is what you said. I don't necessarily think it's screwed up. Things may be going according to plan for them because they're able to get Marcus Peters on the cheap. They're able to get a guy like Sam Shields to come back who's going to be a cheap guy. But, but do, you think that, that, do you think it's going according to the plan or less needed to really showing that he is the man with trades? Like, we talk about it every year. He's not afraid to pull the trigger. Maybe that's part of the plan. Maybe it's, it's knowing that – that I'm not going to pay a long-term deal to Janoris Jenkins or uh, Trumaine Johnson or LaMarcus Joyner that's going to meet the demands of the market because if I can just hang on to these guys you know, for two years in case of Trumaine Johnson, one year for LaMarcus Joyner, I know I can find competitive advantages of places that teams aren't willing to get these guys that I can go get, whether it's through the draft, guys like you know, obviously they drafted all these guys, or whether it's John uh, – uh, a keep to leave in, in a trade or Sam Shields coming out of retirement or find or Kayvon. I know you don't like Kayvon Webster, but think about where Kayvon Webster is now in his depth chart. That, 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 they're, they're doing where he's supposed that, to be. Well, and that's the thing. They're doing a great job at identifying talent and bringing it in way, way below per year what they would be paying if they extended these guys. Now, what makes it interesting, and that's why I wanted to segue to this Alec Ogletree. I don't even know where we got this on the run sheet. We are completely off the map, but that's all good. Uh, the, the thing that, hey, the Rebs are random. We're random. Well, they are. And the thing that makes it interesting is what I was talking about, how the contract renegotiation team is not in sync with the scouting side and the general manager responsibilities. And I don't think anybody shows that more than Alec Ogletree. There's just no logical connection between offering that extension in October and then trading him in early March. The, the, the best thing you can say, the but best thing you can say, do what? I'm okay with it. 
I'm okay See, with I hated the deal. I'm a, I hated the deal. That's the thing. If, if you remember, I was pissed. <laughs> and that's the thing. We're both okay with it. What's weird, though, is that it's the same team that did it. I would understand. If, 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 if we had traded for Alec Ogletree on that contract and then changed our minds, I get it. If it had been too, like Rod, Robert Quinn, if you had made the deal and then after two, three years, you figured something out, I got you. But they made this extension in October, dude. <laughs> they made, so, okay, and I saw so let some, me ask you this. Let me, go you ahead. You said something I was, very interesting there. Go ahead. You said that if they had traded for him and then they changed their mind, you know, and they, it was like, yeah, not worth it. Cool. So how come you can say that with him? But when it was with Sammy Watkins, you say you can't. They had they can't they had they can't not uh, franchise tag him. They gave him a second round pick, and you have to justify it. You have to give him another. Why is it okay with if it, it hypothetically speaking? Obviously, uh, Ogletree wasn't traded for, but why is it okay for, right. to do that exact same thing with Ogletree? But you weren't okay with it with Sammy Watkins. Because money talks. Because they went to Alec, and it's not that I'm not okay with it. It's that they went to Alec Ogletree and said, "We are open to paying you." And I know you and I, you didn't let you hated the deal more than I did for Ogletree. They went to Ogletree and they said, "You're worth this much to us." That they never said that for Janoris Jenkins. They never said that for. If you remember, if you remember beginning of the season, I actually said they should either uh, they should trade him during the season if they could, or just let him walk in the off season. I didn't think he was ever worth. So think about that rostering. That's the whole point. Not only did they not let him walk, they went and said, here's how much you're worth to us. We're going to offer you a four or five year, 42 million. I think it was 20 million or 19 million guaranteed. That's what you're yeah. worth to us. They did that, man. They actually did that. But That's here's the, the difference. Thing. Here's the thing. I'm, I'm not here's saying the thing. They, I'm not they, saying they, they did need... that. Like, you, they did do that with Janoris. The problem was it wasn't what Janoris wanted. Janoris was able to well, get twenty million more. They offered him. They offered him five <laughs> years, forty-five million, the thirty million guaranteed. But he said, "I'm worth more." And he was. And he went, he out, and got more. Was. He went out and got more. That's the point. The market, and this is where I, I, Twitter's stupid. I get it. It's dumb. But people were trying to argue the idea that you can get around explaining the market. That's not how economics works, man. If the market is willing to pay you something, that's what you're worth. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you don't deserve it. It doesn't matter if you haven't earned it. My son, if I hire you and I pay you $200,000 a year to clean my feet, guess how much you're worth to me? $200,000 a year? There's no get it. There's, that is, that's how Dude, economics works. You have to pay me more than that. May, see, this is how free agency works. And if I say, you if, I say <laughs> if I say no, that's how much you're worth to me. You can't go get more, and you find out that you can. Guess what you're going to do for me? Nothing, because you're going to go take somebody else's offer. So it doesn't it doesn't matter that you know somebody isn't deserving of a contract. It doesn't matter that Tavon didn't earn that contract. The Rams were willing to offer it. Therefore, he's worth that much to them, period. That's how economics works. The difficulty with Ogletree is they said you're worth this much, and then within five months' time, they said, no, you're not. So this is an organization in conflict with itself. That's why the defensive back thing worries me, is they're saying these guys aren't worth it, and it's hard to understand why, and maybe it's not that they aren't, it's that maybe they're not in sync with the rest of the organization to figure out what these guys are really worth to themselves. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's a good point. Like, I think when these guys get these contracts, you see a, a player who 
is being over um, overvalued. I, I've said this on many occasions. When you look at the Rams and the way that they handle contract negotiations, they have a they have a range. They stay in that forty to forty five million dollar range. You don't believe me? Just take a look back at history. James Laurinaitis, what type of contract did he get? He got about forty five million. Uh, Robert Quinn, I think he got like fifty two. Uh, they kicked out to um, uh, Roger Saffold. He got forty. Uh, think forty one million or something like that. Um, then, then Tavon Austin got forty two. Alex Ogletree, like that's kind of their base. They offered Janoa Jenkins the forty five. He turned it down, so they turned around and gave it to uh, Mark Barrett. That forty to forty five million. That is their range. That's what they like to offer the guys when it comes to uh, when it comes time to um, uh, pay pay a guy with his free agency. That they're going to come up with something in that range. They don't really yep. look at the market. They don't really look at what you've done. So what happens is. When you have a player that's worth more and he knows he's worth more, you lose him. And then when you have a player that's not worth it, when you have a player that's not worth it, you know, uh, you end up overpaying him because you're, yep. you're stuck on that number. <laughs> you know, so there's no real middle ground. There's no balance. And I do want to throw something at you. That's kind of where the rims are. Yeah. Yeah, I do want to throw this. I, I was trying to get it up before the show, but I got wrapped up at home. There's a piece uh, at ESPN from Graziano. One, one more point. I do want to throw this out there because I didn't. It's Twitter, and a lot of times you don't really get a chance to, and the context gets lost in the brevity, is that some people, when I was talking about the logic of the deal, some people were saying, well, no, the logic is he played poorly down the stretch, and in the playoff game, they realized they made a mistake, and they cut their losses. It was smart. No, it's stupid to offer him the contract in the first place. You, there's no, there's no it, way. It, 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 mm, see, here's, here's why I said I like it. That's the very reason I say I like it because no, it I, is I got to offer it. But but you but yeah. the best teams know how to say I screwed up. I got you, and that, that there's nothing wrong with that. The problem is they made that mistake not a year earlier, not two years earlier. They made it in October. They and I'm not talking yeah. about a small contract. They made a major, major. If, if we're talking about the idea that offering Alec Ogletree was a long-term contract was a mistake. They made a major mistake in October that they're not willing to make the same kind of commitment to other guys. I'll leave that out there unless you want to comment on it, and then I got a question for you with some of these other guys. No, 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 no. Go ahead. Shoot your question. Yeah, that's it. I'm true. Uh, piece from Dan Graziano. It's behind the insider paywall at ESPN. He's got uh, projected contracts for some of the top. He's got the top 25 free agents uh, based on how they rank them. Mm-hmm. And I just want to throw this out there. For Trumaine Johnson, he's got a five-year $77.5 million contract. Number one, the Rams were never going to pay true that much. Number two... Absolutely not. Number two, I do think it may not, it may not be 77 and a half. Number two, there are going to be teams that are in a position that are that desperate. What's Absolutely. interesting is when it comes to Sammy Watkins, he's still got him on a, pro, a projected contract of one year, 13 million. I know you, I know where you stand in on Sammy Watkins. Do you think it's interesting that there are te- that, that in terms of, at least in terms of Graziano's position, that people are willing to make a long-term investment in true main Johnson and aren't willing to make it in terms of Sammy Watkins because I find that interesting. I, I, if I were guessing, the sheer desperation that's going to set in over the next week for cornerbacks is going to be the same for wide receivers for teams that really need a guy. It's not. It's not. It's really not. Uh, I said this before uh, when I made that post where uh, with you and I in our discussion, um, one of the points I made was if, if, if Alshon Jeffrey 
couldn't get a deal because he was always hurt. Even though Alshon Jeffrey has been extremely productive with the Bears, he was extremely productive on the field. Sammy Watkins couldn't hold a torch to his production. He couldn't hold a match to it, you know. Considering that he couldn't get a long-term deal, he had to play a season and earn it during the season, okay? What makes you think Sammy Watkins was? Sammy Watkins has been very average, <laughs> very, very average. He hasn't really done anything. He hasn't stood out and dominated a game. He has not lived up to being a number four pick. Now, I know in the past I have heard numerous people here at the uh, Turf Show Times that on the site uh, to tell me that uh, while Taylor Austin hasn't been, you know, the most, the, least, uh, the absolute least productive guy on the field, sure. for, what he, for what for what they was gave up for him, he's a bust in comparison to what was given up. You know, the the, the draft the draft position and all that. Right. Well, isn't it the same thing with Sammy Watkins? To this point, yeah. I'm not going to disagree because with that. He, I tell you, he, 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 has, he has not lived up to the number. He was drafted higher than Tavon. He was number four. So, he, he, so when, you, when you take all that into consideration, first off, it's not like he's some physical freak. He's, he's not out sure. there looking like Julio. He's 6'1". Correct. <laughs> you know, he's 6'1", 210. Okay? He's not out there looking like this physical freak. He's about he's an he's a inch taller but almost the exact same size as Jeremy Macklin. Um, Jeremy Macklin has been more productive and he's been hurt almost equally as much, but he's still been more productive. If you take the first four years of Jeremy Macklin's career, you take the first four years of, of Sammy Rockett's career, they missed almost the exact same amount of games, and Jeremy Macklin was way more productive. So it's like yeah. when you take all of that in consideration, what makes – and Jeremy Macklin wasn't a top-ten pick. He was drafted at uh, number uh, 17, I believe. I have to double-check. But so it's like when you take all of that into consideration, you have a guy that's picked at number 17, 18, and he's more productive than a guy. And, yes, he came out two, three years earlier, but you're just talking about the first four years under the rookie contract. You have a guy that's so much more productive. And then yep. you look at Alshon Jeffrey. You look at a Odell Beckham who came out in the same draft. Like Odell Beckham that shows dominance. Oh, yeah. You've yet to see that. Dom- you've yet to see dominance from Sammy Watkins. So why on earth would you try to justify being desperate with him when there's guys who've proven to be better? Only because you brought up a guy that gives me the easiest example, Tavon Austin. It, it, it's mm-hmm. it's not just it's not just that Tavon's a bust and that Sammy hasn't lived up to draft uh, production. It's that when, when you get a contract, you're not getting paid for what you've done. You're getting offered for what you're going to do. And what, what, I, yeah. find really, what I find really, really interesting is that Tavon got a contract. And I, granted, we can talk about the Rams being the only team in the NFL that probably would have offered Absolutely, that Absolutely, because you already knew I was going to say it. Like, it's that 40, but, that 40 to $45 million range. It was right in the, it was right in the bread basket, but it only takes one. And, uh, you know, in, in a league that had 100 teams – it might be a foregone conclusion. There's only 32 teams here, and obviously one of them being the Rams, they're not going to come out big for Sammy Watkins. I just find it really, really difficult to believe that in an open wide receiver market where Jarvis Landry's tagged, where Allen Robinson is coming off of a knee injury, where you, you, you don't have a ton of options. Let me ask you. I'm glad if you, you need a wide receiver, I don't, I don't know that anybody's going to be more attractive than Sammy Watkins. And if you're a desperate team, I don't know how you avoid at least making sure that you get them by offering over the top. Let me ask you this. I'm glad you said that. So are you telling me that you'd rather have Sammy Watkins than Allen Robertson? 
It depends. Are we talking about the Rams, or are we talking? It depends on which team. I don't care. Right? Who it is. Think, I'm, I don't care. Well, who I do. You, you no, <laughs> no, 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 because you know how I work. I deal with. I know. I know. We're not going to get into all the semantics. <laughs> Look, I'm asking you as the GM. You have a healthy Sammy Watkins. You have a healthy Allen Robinson. Who are you taking? Uh, number two, I would cut, see, and this is where you start getting into me as being one of these guys. What do you need? If, you, if you're Sammy Watkins, how much do you Joseph, want? Joseph, <laughs> you need a you receiver. <laughs> I, I'm talking you about what do you need to make you happy? How much money you do you need? need? A what kind of a contract do you need? Because I'll tell, I'll okay, tell you right okay, now. Okay, we, that, 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 that. Check it out. We've talked They're, about the idea both, of getting rid of Sammy both players, Watkins. Both players are the I'll same I'll tell cost. you, Myson. Both players are the same cost. I, here's what I'll tell you. I would have no idea. I would have no problem for the Rams replacing Sammy Watkins with Allen Robinson, especially at the same. At, at the, now, here's the thing. No, you're not going to get Allen Robinson. You are a habitual bush beater. <laughs> no, I'm a habitual negotiator. See, this is what this is what free agency is. Okay, listen. This, these are the terms. These are the terms of the hypothetical question. Okay. You have now Sammy Watkins. Close. You have Allen Robinson. We have Sammy Watkins, you have Sammy Watkins, you have Allen <laughs> Robinson, okay? They are both valued at the same thing. You're going to pay the same thing for both players. You need a receiver. Who are you taking? On a one-year deal? Yes, on a one-year deal. Who are you taking? I'll take, I'll take Sammy. I'll take Sammy uh, specifically yeah, for the Rams. Especially. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take Sammy especially because I like, I like how much untapped potential is there. With Allen Robinson, there's no doubt you know that what? prior to the injury. You gets fired. <laughs> I, I, keep telling, I keep telling you, potential gets you fired, production gets you extensions. Like, you know that guy that's going to get fired. <laughs> here's, here's what I'd say about Sammy Watkins, especially if we bring this back to the Rams and we're looking. I have no, I'd have no problem replacing him with Allen Robinson. I'd have no problem bringing Sammy Watkins back. Here's what I'd say about the Rams offense. It was, it was ridiculous last year. It, they, the flaws that we're talking about come close to nothing of the flaws about that offense in the past. So if what we're saying is, well, you're overpaying for a guy in Sammy Watkins because his production hasn't matched level, you're paying market rate, he's not as good as some of the other alternatives, I have no problem doing that for a top-five offense that can eat so many other ways versus underpaying guys and creating holes that I can't fit. So, you know, I'm glad you mentioned, you know, talking about the money and everything like that because the Rams have been creating a lot of cap space. And one thing that one of the questions I put on the run sheet there was, was, uh, was the Rams are creating space and why? Well, when you look at what has happened, um, I mean, they, tag LaMarcus, they tag LaMarcus Jordan and they traded for a key to lead. Between those two alone, that's $21 million, Okay. Just between those two alone, by tagging him because the tag was eleven point eight, I think, and then Aki Talib is making about ten ten point one or something like that. So you're talking about about twenty two million dollars. Robert Quinn was set to make about thirteen million. Alec Ogletree another ten. You talk that's that's twenty three million. They literally cleared the space. This was yep. this kind of ties into what you were saying about the plan, Tra- being yep. able to trade the the ability to trade. Because if you look at the moves they've made, trading Robert Quinn, we're gonna miss you, Robert. I know I will. Joe yeah. is not a real fan of yours. He's gonna say he was. He's gonna say he was. <laughs> his bullshit. <laughs> but, here's what I was saying about. Here's what I say about Robert Quinn is that he may not have produced as much as he did early on in his career and as much as we may have wanted him. But that's a good dude. Anytime you get a dude that's got a lip in and a smile on his face, that's my kind of dude. 
Man, look, here's the thing. Here's the honest truth, though. He finished the season with eight and a half sacks. He, he was rusty better than he, he, he was. He, he was rusty coming into the season. Robert Quinn got hot to end the season, and he looked good. However, they said the the, it came, the story came out that the trade happened because he simply wasn't a good fit. He's not a three four outside linebacker. He needed to get back yeah. to to being a four three defensive yeah. end. And for, for for I think that is very telling because I honestly believe the Rams could have got more than what they did. I think they could have gotten, you know, a straight up third, you know, uh, with a fifth or something like that because of the fact that you're talking about a guy who was not a good fit and finished with eight and a half sacks. And that's just sacks. That's not even including his QB pressures, how many times he's not QB down and all that. You know, so for this is a guy that's not a good fit. How many players can you say is not a good fit and finish with eight and a half sacks? You're talking about one and a half sacks away from from double digits. That's and if, if you if you want to throw something to support him, there's not anybody on the free agent market that you can find to replace no. him with. The, the same way we no. talk about, oh, you, and I'll admit, you can go replace Sammy Watkins on the free agent market. You can't do that with Quinn. I'll definitely you don't even have to go to the free agent market. Like if you're talking about just a deep threat to draw the safety, you don't even have to go to the free agent market. You can like hell, you can restructure Tavon and let him run that shit. Oh, so much hatred. So much. So much dirty. <laughs> You can you can you can let jo- you can let Josh Reynolds do it. You can let my boy Mike Thomas do it. it, it, it that's an easy replacement. But when you talk about edge rusher, that's special. That's special. It is. Well, that's a hard and- thing to find. But you know what? I think if anything that these moves have shown us, I think the Rams have tipped their hand a bit because the Rams need edge rushers. And when you talk about the draft, sitting at twenty three, the Rams are in prime position. They are in the perfect spot to move up without getting rid of everything they got. Because when you're talking about moving up from 23 to 15, you're not giving up four first round picks, (laughs) you know, but then also they're in position to move down. They are literally sitting in prime position to do whatever the hell they want. And you know, they're going to move because it's less speed. It's Lester (laughs) Peace Jr. That's what he does. It's less speed, you know, so you you know, they're going to move. They don't believe in sitting still with this man at at their helm. And I got to tell you, I love the fact that Jeff Fisher's gone, not just because it it brought in Sean McVay (laughs) and all that, but Les Snead has been allowed to spread his wings and fly, young boy, fly. And <laughs> he is killing it. Uh, you you got to give it to him. Though. He is absolutely killing it. All those questions about who's really doing what, who, I think it's starting to come become crystal clear because that organization is just being ran differently. It's different. And I'm the not just talking about what Sean McVay brought to it. Yeah. It's different. The way that things are done is different. They're more aggressive. They're go- they're going to get playmakers. They're not afraid to make moves. But you have coaches willing to come. Jeff Fisher never had a coach come of Wade Phillips' caliber. He never developed. Nope. A, he the, the Rams just lost two coaches to other positions this offseason. Jeff Fisher never lost a coach to another position. Bro, he other had than Brian Schoenheimer, who went down to college. He had an offensive coordinator spot that he could not staff. That tells you what you need to know. That, that, that there was, it, it is, it, it's different. That's how I'm putting it. It's different. It's with going and, it, and it's you exciting. You've got to tip your hat to them. It's absolutely exciting. You know, you're talking about – you're looking at the moves that they just made, and you're talking about it getting them a key to lead for a fifth-round fifth draft pick. Where the hell they do that at? And, and <laughs> if like, you look at his contract, what's great is it dips down to eight million next year. He's, he's yeah. on a declining contract, and he's thirty, so he's at that age to where he's not too old, but he's not too young. He's that savvy vet, 
So this is that good gamble because you can afford to pay him this year, and then uh-huh. at thirty, at thirty, a lot of guys start to fall off. But then some guys stay the same. If you're telling me that you're going to take the risk of getting a key to lead who just finished PFF graded uh, with eighty six point one, I think it was, for mm-hmm. a uh, QBR thrown his way, which ranked. 15th in the NFL this past season, you're telling me that you're getting that type of player at the age of 30 and you're going to, and his contract is dropping and he's a top 15 still. That is a steal. Fifth round pick. That's amazing. And on top, on top of that, we talked about Andrew Whitworth a ton and how worried I was for his age that he falls off. Yeah. If it happens, if it happens, that however, 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 well, uh, here's uh, what I was going to say. For, uh, different. <laughs> uh, fair enough. But what I was going to say is for Akeem Tlaib, even if he comes over and by midseason he completely falls off a cliff, there's no dead money in his contract next year. For 2019, Absolutely. you can just wipe it and say, look, it didn't work, and we wish you the best, but, hey, it might be time to retire. All the all these moves, the, the the reason they did them is the same reason they didn't commit to Trumaine Johnson and that they haven't committed to Lamarcus Joyner. They didn't want to commit long term cap space to any of these guys. And like you said, they're clearing out. They cleared out Robert Quinn's contract. They cleared out Alec Ogletree. The obvious reason is that they're making space for Aaron Donald and keeping some flexibility to deal with whoever develops into the core guys. You know, Todd Gurley, Jared Gobb, we'll have, to, we'll have to see two, three years down the line who's requiring these big contracts, but they're creating space for that because, A, they're not willing to commit long-term to any of these guys, especially in the secondary, and, B, the guys that they had committed to, Robert Quinn, Tavon Austin, Alec Ogletree, by March 14th, they'll all be gone. The only one that's really still a question mark is Mark Barron. We'll have to see, man. It's exciting. You know, it's funny because with uh, I think the surefire is Aaron Donald, Jared Goff, and Todd Gurley. They're all going to get paid here in the next two years. Sure. Uh, but the interesting thing about it is when you talk about Aaron Donald, let's need his on record at the combine saying we already have the pocket put together to pay him. I think at this point they're just trying to figure out what's the upfront money. I think yeah. that's, that's I think that I honestly believe that's the hold up in contract negotiations right now. But the he's already confirmed. No matter what our moves were, we already figured out how much we we're going to set aside of our cap for him. So they and already it, have that so figured out. Here, here's the way to go back to that DB discussion about low bowling guys, right? Where we where we can say they might have a valid reason for low balling these guys to say they don't believe in the value of the position, or we believe we can staff it more inexpensively through the draft and through creative less need operations. They might have ways to get around that. You can't lowball Aaron Donald. If Aaron Donald comes no. in and says, if, if Aaron Donald comes with his reps and says, we've looked at the market, here's what we've decided. We think we deserve a five-year contract with this much money overall, this much guaranteed, and this many ways to get out of it. That's what he's going to, and, and you can't, you can't. Aaron Donald's the best individual player of this generation. You can't let him go. You have to get the same way the Rams when when Tavon Austin said, "I think I'm worth this," and they said, "Okay, just be stupid, just be stupid, and give him that and lock him up." Period. You know, I think that is one time where you will see the Rams be stupid. I don't, I don't go for it. Players like Go players like Aaron Donald. Players like Aaron Donald don't touch free agency. They don't get to taste it. <laughs> you like, better let, not. It, let let me put it this way. 
the Rams are stupid, but they're not that stupid. They're stupid enough to know when to be stupid so they can get past what they Let us stupid. pray. So in other words, <laughs> so in other words, they're either going to pay him or they're going to trade him for life. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, first round picks for life. Those, those are the only two options. You can never let a player like that touch free agency. You're either going to pay him or you're going to get back the craziest ransom ever, <laughs> like ever. I'm talking picks, players. Coaches, <laughs> everybody, yep. they know that trade, you know. So yeah. that, that I think that's what Aaron Donald brings to the table. Obviously, it's easier to just pay him, and I think that's what's ultimately going to end up happening. Let's need already confirmed they have that pocket put to the side. Um, yeah. But here's a question to you: Who can fill these holes that's been created? Um, <sighs> they 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 they've pretty much filled up the the secondary. Um, now I know that yeah. uh, Les Snead and and Sean McVay are both on record saying that they wanted to bring back Tremaine Johnson even after the Marcus Peters trade, but I think yeah. they're cute. And I believe yeah. them. here's the thing: I I said on the last show, I still think after the trade they want to bring him back because you need multiple corners in today's sure. NFL. I believe that I believe them 100 percent when they said that. But then the rumor came out of Akeem Talib being available, and when he became available, it was like, oh wow, we could get him for this much. Let's make it yeah. happen because Akeem Talib is a better no, corner than Tremaine Johnson. <laughs> that's the whole thing. They, I guarantee they gave an offer to Janoris Jenkins. They gave an offer to LaMarcus Joyner. They gave an, an offer to Tre- – they gave all those guys. No, we'll definitely give you an offer. It's just not anywhere near, not close enough to what you'll get with somebody else to keep you interested. Absolutely. And you think about a uh, a – a, um, a key to lead, and you think about his contract situation right now, what guidelines does it fall under? They're $45 million range. <laughs> so Love it's it. like you get this is your new thing. T- Hell yeah. I've been saying it for a while, but now they're just proving <laughs> me right. <laughs> so thank you. Thank you for proving me right, Rams organization. That's funny. But uh, you, you look at it, and it, 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 it's fitting. Like it just works. It all It's all kind of falling into place right now. Um, when you talk about those filling these holes, you look at the secondary. I think that obviously a key to lead addition probably That's cancels done, yeah. out. Can, yeah, cancels out uh, Tremaine Johnson. Now, if you could get a Tremaine Johnson to have your secondary as a key to lead Tremaine Johnson and and Mark they're Peters, not gonna, oh they're, not pay they're not going to pay him. They're not going to pay him. No, no, obviously not. I'm just saying, like, if you could do that, if you could pull that off, hey, go be, go be a master and have the best secondary in history if you want. But I don't think it, I don't think that's I don't think that's happening. You know. Um, so you you start looking at where where they're gonna need to fill a hole at right now. It's obviously the edge. Um, I'm yes. looking at the draft and I'm saying that uh, a Harold Landry, uh, a Shaq Griffin makes a lot of it, sense. It, it, it I think I think that we I think we see two or three guys drafted, uh, and I still think they draft a corner even after all that. <laughs> I think they draft a corner and I think they get some developmental guys that go on the offensive line. I think that they're, they're going to be because you look at the way that their draft is setting up with the trades they've made. They've got a lot of mid round picks. Guys, they can let sit behind other guys because the only position they need to fill right now is edge rusher. That's it. That's literally yeah. it. After that is yeah, depth. Yeah. Everything it's, after that well, is depth. The only other one I'd throw in there is inside linebacker to replace Tree, but that's an easy position to fill. So, I'm not even sold. I was just about to say I'm not even sold that that's a big deal for the draft because of free not agency. for the draft. Like you can definitely yeah, fill in a free agency. And here's the and this is what goes back to why the hell did they offer Tree that contract? There's oh plenty goodness. of guys that can do the job very well 
in Wade Phillips' system for much, much, much cheaper than what the Rams offered Alec Ogletree. We'll have a couple prospects on the site in the next week. Yeah, I know Brian uh, Mule, our boy, is out there pounding the table for Todd Davis coming over from Denver. There's a ton of other options that you can find in Absolutely. free agency that can play 3-4 inside linebacker and work the run better than Alec Ogletree is designed to. Absolutely, and and I think it, uh, finding someone to work it better than him isn't hard because he was terrible. Even when even when Corey yes. Littleton and, and Bryce Hager got in there, played very well, really good. Littleton was really good, good against Littleton the run. Littleton. And and Hager is one of the smallest linebackers on the. He is the smallest linebacker on the team. He's only about six foot six one, and he's about two twenty five. But he played the run, and he was getting off of the blocks as well as anyone. So you have to you have to question like what's up with Ogletree. It's just something he can't do, which makes it ultimately an easy decision to get rid of him. So I'm cool with that so <laughs> but uh speaking of filling holes real quick i'm going to throw this out here uh this season i did probably the most extensive scouting that i've ever done <laughs> i've never scouted this many players before but um i will be i know right i'm trying to step my game up. i'm trying to be like big joe man. <laughs> whatever but i am uh, i'm behind i <laughs> Somebody I'm was asking me the other day about a guy. I was like, "Bro, I ain't seen a single game." They're like, "Oh, I thought you always watch it." Yeah, I do always watch it. Not this year. I haven't watched a single game. <laughs> nope. I think well, it was Leighton Van or somebody else. They were like, "How much you?" I thought you watch Boise State. Yeah, usually I watch like four or five games. How many did you watch this year? Zero. Not a one. I'm busy. <laughs> It'd be like that sometimes, but it does. keep your eyes peeled because I'm gonna be dropping the uh, top 100 big board. Um, first thing Monday, that will be on the site. And then guess what? It's scouting report time. So you want to know who's going to be feeling wet, who Rams should be draft, who the Rams should be targeting in the draft? Keep your eyes peeled because definitely going to be touching on that. Definitely going to have the big board ready. There's going to big board is going to shock the hell out of some people. I think. I think. I think I do every year, especially when I drop the yeah, two point oh. Two point oh always shocks some people. They're like, well, how the hell do you have? Do you remember when I was on the site talking about Aaron Donald when he came out? Oh my God. There were guys who told me I was on crack. You and Sosa, you do you do need to CC Sosa. He he's dropping that. He's out here dropping big boards on Twitter where thirteen people see it. I'm telling his ass to put it on the site and then tweet it. Get your act together, Sosa. Put it on the site. That's you too, Nagel. I know you on these uh, scouting. Come on, man. New. Get your act together. Put it on the site, man. It'd be like that. It'd be like that. Here's here's the thing. We talk about fits. One of the things we were talking about with the edge. I I do wonder. Now that one of the things we talked about last year, I forget what point, but we were talking about the idea that the Rams had gotten rid of Janoris, the Rams had gotten rid of Kenny Britt, and that uh, Sean McVay wasn't having to take these guns on. And then when we, when we brought on Marcus Peters, that was the first time that we talked about, okay, now Sean McVay is taking on guys that he's going to have to deal with. He brought um, in Marcus Peters and Akeem Tlaib. Sure. But Akeem Tlaib said – Akeem Talib, look, here's the difference. Akeem Talib ain't that young. Marcus Peters still – I get it. You're still talking about an adult. Marcus Peters still a young dude. Akeem Talib – Akeem Talib is our age, my son. Akeem Talib might be older with than him Sean McVay. Even with him not being that young, he still does the same stuff he did when he was that young. No doubt. <laughs> you know, he still – he, he just does it in a smarter way. Tree, shoot, shoot himself <laughs> in the calf. <laughs> you know, like – He's always in trouble. <laughs> There's always something it's, going on with a key to lead. Here's the thing you and I know. Think about like Pac-Man Jones. There's young crazy and there's old crazy. And just Absolutely. like I talked about you last week with the teens, you always, always avoid young crazy. Young crazy is too stupid to know better. At least old crazy knows the limitations. So, the, well, the, here's, no, I'm, here's, I'm so glad. 
Go ahead. Oh, God. Oh, God. Don't do <laughs> it. Don't embarrass yourself. No, I'm about to embarrass your ass. So, look, what? you say you want to be you're talking about old crazy where you are showing your old crazy. Everyone, Joe, is showing off how 47 crazy really looks. <laughs> like that decade <laughs> I threw on there. <laughs> look, Joe, I, I read what you said in the comment sections, um, and I didn't comment because I said I'm going to call his ass out because I think he's absolutely crazy. I know everyone yeah. out there wants you called out. So you have $15 million. You can only give it, and don't you dare beat around the bush. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to. You can, you, only know, give it to, you can only give it to one player to be on your team, $15 million. Who are you picking, Watkins or Gurley? Now, in the section, in the comment section, your crazy ass That's said not Watkins. even close. That's not even close. That's not, not only am I giving it to Watkins, I'm not even taking a minute to think about it, bro. Dude. What the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> it's about replaceability. Yeah, you if you if you're making me put money on it, that's why? Not, if you're asking me as a fan, why? like fan wise, I can why? understand. Because here's why? here's why. Because you can go get you can get ninety nine percent of Todd Gurley's talent and ninety percent of his production from somebody in the third round. You can't get that even from Sammy Watkins based on regardless of his production. What has based Sammy on Watkins done again? Yeah. I, I, but that's the point. Think about think about his talent level for what he hasn't done based on okay, but versus Todd Gurley and his talent level. Everything Jimmy. he's gotten. And here here's what I, I got to throw. I'm going to put this in an article because clearly it's it's. There's something to the logic that people haven't really realized about how they phrase this in 2017, if only because Todd Gurley was on the team in 2016. Todd Gurley had less than 60 yards a game in 2016 and had an MVP caliber season in 2017. Why was he so unproductive in 2016? Why has Sammy Watkins been so unproductive in his career? But hold on, let me, sure. let me come back. We'll, we'll come back to that. We'll come back to that because here's what you said in the comment section. And when you said it, I said, "Oh, Joe, you fucked up because you dug your own hole." And that, <laughs> no, I was so I'm so mad at Turf Show times like the Nation. Everyone that comes to the site reading, you have some really faithful. Lawyers. They're learning. I'm pissed. Yeah, to you, that none smarter of, and wiser. I'm pissed. I'm pissed because none of you caught this. This is what you said, Joe. You said that the you started talking about the running back market and how it's cratering, and but it then is. you said that the running backs are overvalued. You said that they are Way overhyped, and that they you said they're believed to be better than what they are. Yep. <laughs> now that's quite fitting because of what everything you say about Sammy Watkins is the exact same thing. So that stood out to me because it's like, how can you justify this? You, you basically contradicted yourself. So in other no, the oh, not at all. You, no, no, the correct answer for you, Joseph, would be, I just prefer a receiver over running back. Don't try Fair, to hey, that's, that's be, a good way to because, put it. Because sure. to say that to say that they're overhyped and they're they're they're, they're they are overvalued. Well, that's the exact same thing with a player that's done nothing. You, you even yourself just admitted earlier in the show. Yes, I set you up. Admitted earlier in the show that he has been a bust for his draft position and, and uh, the investment into him. I wouldn't He's say bust. bust. I wouldn't say bust. That well, term don't, don't carries a lot now. of connotation. Don't backtrack now that I'm making I my never point. said bust. <laughs> no, you did. I said if you could call Tavon Austin that, we can rewind the tape. <laughs> I never said Tavon Walker was a bust. You agreed. I said, I said, why would you? You said, yeah, I could say that. 
Those I don't think, well, let's go back and look. I, I don't believe I called him a bus, but we'll say, this is getting very ski- skip. skip. Hey, what I'm just I'm, I'm using your tactics against you. I'm being very very specific. <laughs> no, I, I will definitely. Now, when you say that I value a wide receiver over running back, let's be clear. We're talking about a, fir- a top of the depth chart wide receiver. I'm not talking about third. I'm not talking about wide receiver three like Cooper Cup. But absolutely, I value a number one wide receiver. Yeah, and the Sammy market does isn't too. A number one wide receiver. If he gets paid like a number one wide receiver, then he is a number one receiver. That's the so difference. Trayvon Austin of it, is a number one wide receiver. He got paid like it. Now, you can, you can criticize so, the Rams for it. I don't know I'm asking you. Don't tell blame me. me. No, don't, don't, don't tell me anything. Yeah. Just say yes or no. He's a number one wide receiver. For the 2014 to – when did they get – they give him 2015. For the 2015-2016 Rams, yes, he was. He absolutely was. So, so, so Tavon Austin is number one wide receiver. For those two years, he absolutely was. He absolutely was. You know why? You know who you remind me of when you do that? You remind me of like Stephen A. Smith or something, how you beat around the picture. Like, for those two years. But you, look at last year was different. 2017, you have a new crew come in. They get Sammy Watkins. They get Robert Woods. They get Cooper Cup. They got uh, they got Joshua. They got they clearly moved on. I know they couldn't release him because the contract didn't allow them to. If it had allowed them to, Tavon was gone March 3rd last year. That's done. Clear. I mean, look at look at how they used him. He didn't even pick. come on, man. That's different. 2014 and 15, when they gave him that contract, or excuse me, 15 and 16, absolutely. He was their number one wide receiver. The fact that he didn't play to it, that's their fault. The fact that they evaluate him at that level, you can blame them for that. But there's no doubt that they were willing to make him their number one overall wide receiver for their system. Look, all I'm going to say is if you're going to talk about uh, value and you're going to talk about running back and receiver, if you have a running back who is literally carrying your offense without Todd Gurley this year, okay, this year Todd Gurley, since you're talking about Tavon Austin for that year, for this year, you can never say for that year for Sammy Watkins. <laughs> you know, sure. Sammy Watkins has never been he's never been paid like a number one wide receiver. He's never produced like a number one wide receiver. You said that you can call Tavon Austin a number one wide receiver because he was paid like one. You can't call Sammy Watkins that because he's yet to be paid like one. And he's yet to That's produce true. like one. So therefore, you cannot call him that. However, you can call Todd Gurley the offensive player of the year, which he was. You can call Todd Gurley sure. the most important player to his offense, considering the fact that he accounted for almost fifty percent of their scoring. He also accounted he also accounted for almost fifty percent of their yards. He was great. <laughs> so when you talk about when you talk about uh, production and what they were able to do. Um, to say that you would take talk, take uh, Sammy Watkins over Todd Gurley, who by the way is for that, younger for that money. Who Hold on, by the way that, is younger. You said for that money. Yeah, for that money. It's just unjustifiable. It's unjustifiable. No, so, so, here's ab- the thing: absolutely it, nothing he's done, other than the fact it, that you value running, which is your, which is your right, correct. And there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But to say that, to, but to, to 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 emphatically say, oh well, he's better or he's this or anything. No, hell not no. Better. But more no, valuable not. for that money. And it's not even close. And here's the thing, and I meant to say this, and I, I got to write this piece. Uh, we talk, I, I, 
I need to get this. In. So let's get this answer from you, Maxon. Why? Why okay, was Todd Gurley so unproductive in 2016? Because he lost confidence. He wasn't running with vision, and his line sucked. His line absolutely sucked. I'm, I'm impressed you didn't mention his coaching staff. His line absolutely sucked. No, 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 no. no. I can't mention his coaching staff. And honestly, I don't like using the line as an example. It is a it is a it is a valid excuse, but I don't like using an example because the true elite. The true elite, which is what we agree on, the true elite can produce without a line. Uh, Stephen Jack, I've, I've said, I've said this forever. Thank you. You, you yep. knew what I was going to say because I, I think I wrote, I wrote this in the article once, and they, they were yep. pissed off at me, but it was the truth. It it's was 100% true. true. Stephen Jackson had a worse line than Todd Gurley did in 2016, so and let's, he still let's had 1,000 yards back to back to yep. back to back to back. So let's follow the logic. What that means is Todd Gurley, like just about every other running back, even somebody as talented as Todd Gurley, is still re- required to have an offensive line and a coaching staff in order to get the kind of season that we got out of him last year. Is that fair? I mean, you can say the same thing. Yeah, yes, yeah, fair, but you can say the same thing about receiver. Robert Woods never no doubt. looked as good in his career. Absolutely. So. Absolutely, so, and like I, you said, but you hated Robert Woods, but not Robert Woods, and I liked it. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely, yep. I hated that deal. I'm not afraid to admit I was wrong. <laughs> well, I was no, wrong. I don't think it, I don't think it, you were it, wrong because you were wrong. Because no, remember, I was, wrong, we, I was wrong. I was wrong because I hated the deal because I I didn't think he was worth it. And while that may be true for every other offense, what I did not take into account, and it's because I didn't know, I was ignorant to what to the fact of how Sean McVay would run his offense. Like everyone else, I sure. thought it would be more similar to Washington, and it would turn out to be nothing like Washington's offense. And because of that, he was able to use Robert Woods in a way that Robert Woods has never been used before, well, except for like sure. college. And as a, as a result, he flourished. That he I was one hundred percent wrong about. But. This also shows, and I love it, you, can't, you cannot let this go. It also shows how much you hate Sammy Watkins. At the time, what I said was, I don't hate him. it is a, yeah, oh, yes, you do. Don't you lie on the air on no, commercial I'm just radio. A realist. I'm just a realist. But, but, <laughs> what I said about the Robert Woods deal is, I love it as long as he stays a wide receiver, too. If you make him your number one wide receiver, this deal doesn't make sense. But if you keep him as a wide receiver, too, he could be productive. At the time, he wasn't the wide receiver, too. We didn't have same. There was no solution for the top of the wide receiver depth chart. We made this deal back in March of last year. They didn't get Sammy Watkins until the preseason. That made Robert Woods what he was. That's the difference. That's the thing. When we talk about Todd Gurley and when we talk about the running back position, it's not that Todd Gurley's not talented. We just saw it this year. He's incredibly talented. But he was incredibly talented in 2016, and the Rams didn't get shit out of him. Why? Because the position, the position hampers you production-wise based on how well you block, how well you pass the ball and make defenses respect the, that pass to soften up linebackers and safeties, and then how good your coaching staff is to take advantage of that. The last you regime couldn't do that. This regime can. And the only reason, the only reason Todd Gurley got an MVP quality season this year wasn't because he's Todd Gurley. It's because of everybody else around him. He knows it. You know it, too. Come on, though. You know what, Joe? Uh, <laughs> you know what, Joe? 
Fuck, fuck Todd Gurley. Fuck Sammy Watkins. We're gonna pick this conversation up again uh, because we're gonna we're gonna dive into yeah, the, the talk, my the new, talk of, my new of value of position <laughs> because what you're saying can be said for, for the receiver position as well. So we're gonna dive into that. But you know what? I know it's here's late. Here's the one thing. Here. One, I know it's eleven thirty. Before we get out. Before we get out, the one thing I'd say, watch free agency and watch the money. I know we talk about Le'Veon Bell at the top of the market. Watch the money at running back and watch the money at wide receiver. The the teams say certain things. Running backs say certain things. The money tells you the truth. When teams are willing to not pay running backs and they're willing to pay wide receivers, that tells you the truth. Watch the dollars. Wide receivers haven't been getting paid as much unless you've been elite, top of the line, we'll big dog status. So we'll see, like you said, we'll because if you look at the number two receivers, you know, I hated the contract for Robert Woods, but it was what thirty it made sense, million, right? thirty nine million, thirty nine million. But then you look at the next contract, those next that next group, yep. they jump up to about fifty, they jump up to about fifty seven, yep. and then after that, you jump up to about eighty. So the the gaps are vast at the receiver position. So the same thing can be said, but. Like I said, we'll pick this conversation up. I know it's late there. I know you got kids. You got to ten two in the morning because you're, you know, you're old and crazy. I got <laughs> to finish this article. I got a game to watch. Hey, come on, man. Free agency's coming. Hey, we got one week to free agency. Man, it's, it's about to get crazy. You know, next week we have free agency. Um, everyone keep your eyes out. Uh, appealed for the uh, Aaron Donald deal. Yeah. It's coming soon. It is definitely coming. Make sure you're paying attention for this crazy uh, Stephen A. Smith guy over here. <laughs> then, I'm going to just say it. Uh, also, <laughs> also, make sure you're looking out for the articles from Joe as well as myself. Uh, to, um, scholar reports are coming as well as the big board. Big board will be coming out first. Be there for, for you bright and early Monday morning. Uh, that's all we got for you this week. Make sure you follow mm-hmm. the site, Turf Show Times. <laughs> make sure you follow myself and Mighty and or my friend, mm-hmm. Mighty or my friend. And then make sure you follow the this skip. Stephen A. Sad Joe 3K underscore. <laughs> That's all we got for you this week. We got it.
stock. I catch what they throw me and I like the block. I'm quick off the line as I can be, cause I don't want dick running over me. This is baby face and I don't yield. I'm a Texan My name is Spencer Hall. My name is Jason Kirk. My name is Ryan Nanny. And when we combine, we form the, the Shutdown, Shutdown Fullcast. I keep telling you, we're not Fultron. The Shutdown Fullcast is technically a college football podcast, but it's also a show about lawn care disasters, regional grocery stores we love, Tennessee Batman, homeowners associations. Bears and video games. I mean, there's also some actual football discussion, like about coaches having huge contracts or coaches making terrible decisions or coaches saying really stupid things. Or the NCAA saying really stupid things. Yeah, there's lots of stupid things in this big, dumb, beautiful sport. Sometimes we talk about football games. Allegedly. If you want to take college football exactly as seriously as it deserves to be taken, come find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to podcasts like this one. The Shutdown Fullcast. It's not Voltron.